Yeah, well, number one for any recovery is, you know, do as much movement that is, as is pain-free. So if you've had a significant trauma um, on your, maybe your back, what you should be doing as soon as you can is moving that spine as much as possible pain-free and trying to slowly increase that range. It might take you a year, it might take you two years, it might take you five years, it might take you a week. It doesn't really matter. What If you just consistently take that joint through a pain-free range of movement, the, your central nervous system has no option but to respond to and adapt to that movement and slowly but surely it will increase and get back to probably, hopefully, a full healthy joint. Hello and welcome to episode number 38 of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. This week, myself and Rudds are crammed back into the office again, but we have company this week. We're joined by uh, Mark of Human Centred Movement. Mark, how are we doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Are you enjoying the nice, intimate environment in the uh, studio? Absolutely. Just how I like it. Very nice good. Close. Very good. And Rudds, how are you getting on? Good, yeah. Great form. I got a nice uh, double espresso in my hand. Happy as Larry. Yeah, I'm actually just getting my coffee out, ready to go here. Friday morning, uh, sun is shining. Spring has sprung, I would say, gents. Um, everyone's in a much better mood. I don't know what it's like for you guys, Mark, when you're training people, but when the, the sun is shining at 6am in the morning, everyone kind of bounces into the gym in a bit better form. Yeah, 100%. It makes a massive difference to everyone's energy uh, and their mood, which is always great. Yeah, we should get a talk a bit of a circadian rhythm again uh, with the main man Alan Flanagan. He would get him back coming into summer again. Everyone was loving him uh, chatting about that. But uh, Rhodes, how do you find your mood is generally when the sun is shining and it's getting a bit warmer? Are you kind of happier, just sweating more generally, and kind of wrecking the gym, or are you in a better mood? Uh, no, I'd be, I, I'd be. A, I'm going to go against the common opinion. Like you can't control the weather, so oh, Jesus, it doesn't. You know, I dictate my own mood. That that would be. I know that sounds uh, against common trends, but uh, do you not know just when the sun's absolutely bursting out there? I go, this is amazing. Does it not like make you oh, feel? It, 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 it definitely helps, but it just doesn't doesn't dictate my mood because like you can't control the weather. This is standard Rhodes answer, Mark, to be honest with you. Anyway, we're not here to chat weather. We're here to chat about movement. So, Mark, just before we jump in, uh, pulling up your bio, uh, you're listed as a movement scientist. What is a movement scientist? That's an excellent question. No, that's an absolutely excellent question. Uh, Movement scientist to me means that someone that is intrigued, fascinated by human movement and how we can optimize it or improve it. So my background is, I have a BSc in health and performance science through Great UCD. course, great course. All the lads here with <laughs> us. Um, and I have an MSc uh, research master's basically through biomechanics, looking at injury prevention of hamstrings. Um, so my background essentially is in research of human movement. So take that one step further now I'm a movement scientist okay very good they are two things uh, then in terms of like your practical application of like it's obviously very academic based how did you build up your your practical application was it while working with people while you were studying or how have you built up that over the last couple of years um, so first and foremost it would have come through my own strength and conditioning um, so I would have played rugby in secondary school and then in college as well with UCD so I would have had from the age of you know 15 16 all the way up to 24 25 like a structured strength and conditioning program every single year uh, that's where it would have started after that then it would have been training friends training parents training uh, aunts and uncles cousins whoever it is wanted it uh, and then recently in recent years when I started with human centered movement it began training people um, firstly was to feel better and now it's to move and feel better okay and, and then what you're doing in human centered movement what is that what's your philosophy is it 
so we we call ourselves a movement clinic it's a new term um and well that we obviously made up uh and what we do it's is got a nice ring to it though. yeah it does doesn't yeah. it yeah. what we do is we help people to move better so whether that's an elite athlete looking to maximize their performance on the pitch or it's an 87 year old lady who's just had a fall and wants to be able to get up off the ground better uh, that's what we do um our, the way we work is the company is myself and uh, my business partner Hugh Byrne who's a, a physiotherapist the two of us will take someone through a full body assessment so that will consist of a postural assessment a gait assessment a functional movement screen a mobility screen and then a physiotherapy screen what we try to do is get to the root cause of what their restrictions are why they might be and then how we can then get them on the path to improving that to free up their movement to allow them to do whatever it is they want to do okay it's obviously very in depth then and having the two perspectives i suppose we've got um physiotherapy here uh, and we would think it's it's a great thing that we offer at the gym is we've got good collaboration between our strength and conditioning coaches and our physio i can imagine for you coming from very movement based um background that you guys are probably on the same page very quickly and you can you can get very in-depth and intricate with your assessments yeah massively so i think the multidisciplinary team aspect of it is one of our biggest strengths and i know it is your guys too it just allows you to get a different angle on something so what i see in someone walking might be completely different to what Hugh sees but we actually have a moving conversation then throughout the assessment that I say okay I saw a hip drop there on that left side when they heel planted and he might say that's not what I saw I saw over rotation of their rib cage on the right side when that heel dropped and it just allows us to sort of like tease it out and figure it out take it almost like a puzzle and try to work it out like why why is this happening when this person moves what is the restriction where is that restriction how do we find out exactly where that is and get to the the root cause of that and who pulls rank then when you have a conflicting issue uh, I'd probably let you do that he's he's got a PhD so I okay fair enough it, it, can that get a little bit tricky though is it can it ever become sort of too many chefs you know when you're trying to if you just you know you, like does, does it get a little bit sticky between you guys sometimes uh, no not yet thankfully okay. um, hopefully it stays that way no we'd be kind of we'd be we've we've so what we've both studied in college maybe isn't completely applicable to what we're doing today. So the research we've done after college is what has had the biggest effect on us. And we've kind of studied the same things, albeit he studied it from his physiotherapy eye and yeah. I've studied it from my movement science eye. So we know the principles we're looking out for and it's just, it's, they're minor differences. Yeah. And sometimes it's, we don't know is the answer which is fine as well, uh, but we'll just figure it out. And in terms of the corrective procedure then, it's obviously having two eyes spotting issues. You've got two brains then putting together, you can put together really comprehensive plans for, like we always say that, Rudd, when we're trying to screen someone, I could show you something on a video just to get a second opinion. You might help me see something different, but then the conversation quickly fixes, or quickly goes to how do we fix this? And then that collaboration is what can really help help to put together good programs or good rehab for people. Yeah, I think the plan is so important because I know if with you guys, like the assessment's just the start of it and then it's the plan after it. Because like, for, say for instance, if I have a restriction in my hip and you see me squat and you tell me, Rudd's got a restriction in your right hip, but then that's the end of the conversation. That leaves me in a, like it doesn't leave me in a much better position. I know I've got a restriction, but I don't know how to fix it. So like, I think for us as practitioners and coaches, the biggest thing is like, like I said, get to the root cause, but then give someone, okay, this is the process. This is the steps we're gonna do, uh, because then you leave that session going. I know I've got something I need to work on here, but I know there's a plan in place, and I just need to 
trust the process and get get working on it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, a lot of the people we would get in might have preconceived ideas about, you know, their joints. So, for instance, like, oh, my hip doesn't rotate well because, you know, the joint capsule is really tight and that's just the way I am. Um, Where do people get this? Like, well, Your guess is as good as mine. I don't, I don't really know. Maybe it's through just whatever practitioner they saw before doesn't have a full scope or whatever educational system they went through doesn't have a full idea of of what the human body can do but like there's one thing that everyone knows and it's that the human body just adapts to whatever it is you do so if you never move your hip it's not surprising then that your hip is going to be stiff if you consistently move your hip through its full range of motion on a daily basis or or often enough it's not going to be surprising then that you have full range of motion in that hip it's it's literally boils down to something that simple so a lot of the stuff we do is is education around actually this isn't the way you have to be you know your hip doesn't always have have to be tight or the capsule doesn't always have to be tight yeah it, there is the body can adapt and make changes like at a cellular level and like right in at the joint like the mechanoreceptors right inside the joint they're going to give feedback to the central nervous system which will then give feedback to allow a little bit more movement in that joint yeah it's fascinating i find it like it's exactly like sort of preconceived notions but some people could have gone through i think trauma is slightly different so when there is kind of a you know a one-off like an acute traumatic event uh you know there's obviously different issues there whereas when someone is generally chronically tight from a lack of movement that's probably an important distinction to make because some people do go through like we've had people who've been in, in car crashes people who've fallen um bike bike accidents and though that acute trauma can cause huge issues immediately um but that's after they get over that initial like medical rehab stage getting into general movement is probably how they're going to fix that yeah well number one for any recovery is you know do as much movement that is as is pain free yeah. so if you've had a significant trauma um on your maybe your back what you should be doing as soon as you can is moving that spine as much as possible pain free and trying to slowly increase that range it might take you a year it might take you two years it might take you five years it might take you a week it doesn't really matter what if you just consistently take that joint through a pain free range of movement the your central nervous system has no option but to respond to and adapt to that movement and slowly but surely it will increase and get back to probably hopefully a full healthy joint in terms of like two of the terms that i'd like i'd hear a lot through reading or through speaking to people would be the idea of movement training and functional uh, functional movement like in terms of where does those things fit inside the paradigm of what you're doing and any thoughts on those um functional movement is it can, it can be anything it's probably most people will in in our industry any anyway if you say functional movement you're thinking of fms you're thinking of gray cook and his style but functional movement is just a movement that either you perform on a daily basis or something that is you're going to replicate in in your sport whatever that is um so functional movement training should be training that um, mirrors or emulates movements that you are going to perform throughout your day or throughout your sport movement training that's a completely new concept and there probably isn't a industry-wide definition or understanding of what it is to us movement training is getting allowing people the opportunity to control their body in whatever way they want to control it so say for instance um you are a golfer 
and you want to do movement training to improve your golf swing, what that's going to look like to us is allowing them to control their body through the full range of motion that golf offers. So from the thoracic uh, rotation that's required right through to the, the the flick of the wrist at the end, you're going to have to have full movement in that wrist joint, but you're also going to have to have full movement and control in that thoracic joint in your in your upper back as well. It's like I think one thing when it comes to movement training, functional movement training, and like all types of training is trying to see everything as movement. So like whether it be the thing you do in the warm up, it could be the body weight squats you do to the three rep max loaded squat like that's a functional exercise if you're doing it with correct technique if you're doing it with poor technique then i'd argue that's not a functional yeah, exercise dysfunctional. dysfunctional you're 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 uh, training a dysfunctional pattern because i think that's something people sometimes they get a misconception that if it's a lightweight and you're just moving then that's functional and and then, you know, as soon as you step into the realm of lifting a weight and doing something that's loaded, that's not functional. Um, but if you can kind of look at it all through that line of movement, movement, and the quality of the movement is going to dictate the adaptation, like you're saying, that you're going to get out of it. And there's different movement qualities, being able to do something unloaded for a high repetition or being able to do something loaded for a low repetition, there's still, you know, movement training and good movement's good movement. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think for a lot, well, for us, thankfully, uh, we're in an industry where people are moving all the time. For a lot of people, they don't actually get the opportunity to do movement. Um, And movement's so good for you in, in so many different ways. It's so good for the health of your joints. It's so good for the health of your muscle tissues. It's so good for your fascial system. It's so good for your cognition. Um, And what a lot of people don't get is regular movement throughout the day. So a lot of people are, are bound to a desk. Like we're sitting down now at a desk and we're kind of locked in. So I've got uh, arms either side of me, so I can't move to the side. And I've got a desk in front and the chair is behind me. So I'm literally locked into place. The one thing everyone knows is that if you don't use it, you'll lose it for all movement. Um, and that's sort of the, the methodology or the mantra that we use is, you know, if you, you can improve your movement capacity, but you have to use it. The one thing we know is if you don't use the range of motion you have in any joint, any plane, you will eventually lose it. The body will just, the brain will just think that it's an irrelevant um, system to have on its on its plate and just get rid of it. Just delete that program, essentially. Do you have any tips for someone who's listening and they think, okay, that's me, I'm stuck at my desk all day. Like, how would you practically get someone to be able to implement more movement through their day? So um, the first thing is uh, if you're going to have to spend time at your desk or or if, if you're going to have to spend a certain amount of time in one position throughout the day, you're going to have to do something outside of those hours that are going to give your joints or give your muscle tissues the movement that they require. So what a really simple way that we what we approach it as is, is a daily mobility routine or a daily movement routine. It's, it's really as simple as taking each of your joints through its full range of motion. Um, we actually have one on YouTube. If you go onto, if you search human centered movement on YouTube, or if you go onto our Instagram channel, human centered mov, um, 
you can click our link and there should be a daily mobility routine. You click there, it takes nine minutes and it takes every single joint through its full range of motion. And what that does... The, the full program is nine minutes. The full thing takes nine minutes. It's just it's just three reps uh, each way of, of each side. It's really simple. Um, and the thinking behind it is really simple. So let's, let's take a step back. Say we're uh, uh, 200,000 years ago, we're hunter-gatherers. The environment we're in allows or gives us a huge amount of movement so we have to do certain movements throughout the day that end up keeping our joints healthy fast forward to where we are today our environment is completely different it's in a chair it's leaning forward leaning backwards minimal rotation joints go straight up straight down uh, minimal rotation in the joints so the environment has changed we are going to have to do something outside of that time to give the joints what they would get naturally so naturally you would get a full range of motion in all your joints we don't get that now so we're going to just have to give that to them in terms of like when you talk about rotation uh, use it or lose it like one thing we've spoken about here on the podcast before is the idea of not just moving in one plane of motion so like most traditional gym exercises are one plane of motion whereas some of the things like animal flow or Turkish get ups or unconventional training forces you to rotate or it forces you to move in two or three planes of motion at once do you think that's a big thing for people in terms of improving their movement quality and moving better and being less pain 100 percent. that is probably the most important thing so if we take uh, any take any joint in the body let's take the ankle for uh, an example um the ankle joint in within the ankle joint is what's known as synovial fluid and it, it's a it's what allows the joint to move freely in and around it stops basically bone on bone so it's like a nice lubrication almost the only way to replenish your synovial fluid in your joint is through movement so it doesn't come through blood supply so if we take that then the only way to have a full healthy ankle joint is to have to con- consistently move that ankle joint through its full range of rolling motion. my ankles under the table for fear <laughs> <laughs> fear of losing your yeah, movement yeah and um, so multiplanar movement is massively important to keep those joints healthy so if you are going to be squatting and benching and they're straight up straight down that's great but in your program why not throw in uh, some rotational movements for the hips for the ankles for the shoulders as well so you're going to do heavy sets of bench while you're resting just take your shoulder through full range of motion so that you're giving that joint and that synovial fluid you're replenishing it but you're also still doing your main goal is to is to lift that weight you're doing that but you're also giving yourself and your joints the health that they need i I had a question there where you were kind of when you're talking about the kind of functional training and movement how important is strength to movement like do do people need to be strong to move well if you're to just to take general movement to say a squat or like what's the most basic movement you think does strength help in movement yeah strength to me through movement is control so uncontrolled movement is is possibly like what we were talking about the example of the squat that's a dysfunctional squat if you can't control your knee joint that's a dysfunctional squat so strength through movement is control so you should have and you should aim to have full control over a full range of motion in any pattern so um people 
like if you're doing say like a crawling exercise uh, if you were to slow that down and focus on crawling as a skill so as and trying to take that movement as slow as possible you're going to get much more movement into your wrist joints rather than uh, crawling as fast as you can up the gym and just pounding the ground with your wrists um, and it's that control that to me is strength through movement you're obviously watching our Instagram because we're doing so much crawling at the minute. Start, yeah, a good a good one, uh, a good little phrase that I picked up from uh, Perry Nicholson, the guy Stop Chasing Pain. His workshop was the idea of speed highs need. So if you can do a movement and you can only do it fast, so it's bear crawls, you can only crawl fast. But then when you slow it down, you can't do it. That shows that you have a deficiency that you're just hiding through speed and momentum. Whereas if you can do it slow it'll be easier for you to pick it up and do that movement at pace and still, you know, still be able to own it. Yeah, I'm sure we I'm sure we all know that, you know, whenever you've gotten an injury and you've gone to a physiotherapist and they've prescribed you with a, a program and they're like, whoa, 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 slow down. And then you slow down. As soon as you go home, you know, whatever it is, 10 sets of, you know, hip lifts, you're just going to bang through them because it's really difficult to do it slow Yeah. because you're bad at it. You're not going to want to do it. But ideally for full control and full strength over that movement, you have to be able to do it slowly. You see that runs in like animal flow, yoga, everything that's done, like any of the workshops we've gone to, it's like the, the pace that these guys can do things at is so slow. Yeah. Uh, you're in very compromised positions that require stability, they require movement, flexibility. And that's kind of for Mark, like do you see, like what's the difference? Like if, I, if we're talking movement, there's definitely people listening to this that are like movement. When we keep saying movement, like what are they talking about? Are they talking about getting more flexible? Are they talking about being stable because you're talking about a golf swing I think that's a really good example somebody to go through full range of a golf swing to have mobility but you need a huge amount of stability as well it's like what's the crossover there it's it's is it a bit of a gray area or like how do you balance those two to have good movement so the the way the way we would approach that is <clears throat> you want to have you want to have strength at the furthest range of motion possible so say let's take the golf swing say on your back swing when you bring the club up as far back behind you you want to be as strong as you are in the mid-range at the very extremity of that movement because if you're not that's the that's the range you're most likely to get injured in is like the extreme range you should and you want to have full control and full strength at the outer limits of that and that as well is the best way to increase um, your flexibility or your mobility is to get strength at the end ranges of motion and do you find that like I, I, again just the golf swing some people try to get more flexible with golf and they say get the club to a higher position at the top where somewhere where that because they're now more flexible their lats are longer their shoulders are, are more flexible they can now get the club even higher but then that can lead to a lack of a stability issue up there. Can that, can that happen with people? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happens. And that's kind of what general stretching does is it, it increases your range of motion without increasing your control over that range. So if I if I force my... Are we talking static stretching here? Static stretching, yeah. Like classic static stretching is you, you take the muscle, you force it into a position, you hold that position passively for a certain amount of time maybe 30 seconds maybe a minute maybe two minutes um, and then you release it so what you've done is you've yes you've increased the range of motion but you have no control over that because you haven't activated any of the muscle tissues you've literally just put the joint into that position and held it there what you really want to do is if you're if the backswing is what you want to improve you want to to take your shoulder joint or your thoracic spine to its full range of motion 
and then you want to contract it there. So put yourself in the furthest position you can and then try and contract the muscles that control that movement. Um, so, you know, PNF stretching, you probably know yeah. that that's the classic way. It's like contract, relax stretching. It's a classic way. Everyone, not everyone, most people in the industry will know of improving uh, a joint's range of motion. All that PNF stretching is, is you take, and the classic one is always the hamstring. You're doing a straight, lying on your back, straight leg hamstring raise, and then you push it against someone as hard as you can. All that that has done is you've taken the joint, so the hamstring, um, to its end range, and then you've contracted all the muscles. Contracting all the muscles means that it tells your central nervous system that you have control over that range of motion, so it's going to give you a little bit more. And doing that consistently over time is, is really where you get massive, massive increases in, in range of motion throughout muscle tissues or throughout joints. One thing we do with our movement and mobility classes here at the gym would be for exactly that reason of creating a new range of motion, but then getting your body to use it and thus your central nervous system to remember it. So hopefully you lock it in would be we do animal flow movement. So multiplanar movement getting us to new ranges then stretch do static stretch try and create some new range and then try and go back and do the animal flow movements again hopefully move through more range of motion but because it's strength and control based hopefully then your body remembers it does is that kind of something that you do as well in terms of uh, combining traditional stretching with new movement strengthening exercises yeah, we we would. The only thing is, we would never static stretch. We would we it's just we would think of it as inefficient. Mm-hmm. So we would just always do an active stretch. But yet that model that you're saying there yeah. is exactly what we do. So you might, for instance, if you come into our clinic, you might have someone who is um, who is n- lacking ankle range for their squat. So what we might do is put their ankle at end range, contract and relax the muscles. So basically stretch it, but in just a more efficient way, then get them to squat, then get them back in again on their rest and get them to contract and relax the muscles again, and then get them to back back to squat. So you're opening up a new range of motion and then you're teaching the central nervous system that you have control over that range of motion. And that is essentially what gives you better control over your movement and improves your uh, flexibility. When it comes to you're talking about myofascial release, you're both kind of mentioned that there, um, like foam rolling, trigger pointing. What are your general thoughts on that? Because it's it's everybody when they come into a gym now comes in, grabs a foam roller, grabs a ball, jump on it, find something sore. Like you know, have you got any thoughts that you guys have sort of set rules with foam rolling and trigger pointing? Yeah, we use that again. Um, like with all these techniques, you, sh- you should be using them to get the benefit out of them, but not ever just like. Uh, going down the rabbit hole of one so yeah we use um the first thing that anyone does when they come in for their program is a little bit of myofascial release uh, or trigger point work and they do that on the spots that either give them the most amount of grief or a problem area for them that they need to improve uh scientifically it's been shown that you get short you get a short increase in range of motion after foam rolling we just use that so that's a great thing brilliant you should use that so we all our clients do it minimum of two minutes because that's how long it takes for a muscle tissue uh, to uh, adapt or change its range of motion and then bang it straight in and use that new range of motion and make it cement it 
and do you think that with the fo- like so say for example the hamstrings is a good example if I do some trigger point work at the top of my hamstrings just where it meets my glute um, two minutes each side and if I just go straight into a set of RDLs is that gonna will I have more movement based on the trigger pointing alone or do I have to add some kind of dynamic stretch then have the range am I gonna have the range straight away you will have the range straight away um, absolutely but why not add in like a quick um, dynamic or active stretch and then go into the RDLs just double down on it so yes open up a, a quick little window for yourself to improve your range of motion smash that window open by doing some active stretching then go into your strength work and then just just keep giving the body, just keep giving the central nervous system little hints like, okay, I want this range of motion. I'm going to use this range of motion. And that's what that will do. I think two kind of important things that you said there for people, like two of the biggest mistakes I see when it comes to foam rolling is kind of purposeless foam rolling. So it's just like going, you're doing an upper body session and people come in and start rolling their calves. Uh, so like purposeless and then the other thing I'd see is people not spending enough time on it so it's just kind of 30 second roll and then move on like you said it takes two minutes for your nervous system to start making a change uh, oh the same with like contract relax stretches or stretches people personally I think people tend to do it aimlessly and people tend to not do it nearly long enough to actually create any sort of meaningful change I think they'd be kind of two of my biggest mistakes that I see people do when it comes to foam rolling and stretching yeah we've all seen it like you're you're going in to do a set of bench and you see people on the gym and they're just flying up and down the foam roller all over their back now it feels good don't get me wrong but you've wasted if if we're talking pure performance here you've wasted that period of time where you could have just been focusing on one spot one area done it for two minutes and then gone in to do your bench it, I think as well with the foam rolling, something that a lot of people, we'd get um, one of the questions that come on Instagram, which I'll throw to you at the end, like in terms of like body tempering and stuff, like it's like we would just use, a lot of my clients can't foam roll properly because they've got their pain blockers in your body. When something is really, really uncomfortable and very sore, if it's on your IT band, your body will naturally roll slightly to the left and go on your quad, which isn't quite as sore. Your body finds ways to push you away from what it knows is going to be very uncomfortable. So sometimes we kind of take that out of clients' hands and we we help them actively foam roll by using barbells and very lightly rolling them in the uncomfortable areas. Um, that's no different to the pressure that they could apply themselves with a foam roller, but they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize it was that tight. And it's like because your body is stopping you from getting into the really sore tight areas. So when people do foam roll, if it's incredibly painful, to the point where you feel like you're avoiding areas you don't have to be in agony you, you can put your other foot on the floor you can you can use support you don't have to kill yourself and you eventually break it down because some people i've seen somebody i used the bar with do a little bit of work like i'm holding the bar and very lightly rolling it they're down the back of the gym the next day literally putting all the weight onto the bar and trying to kill themselves you're like that's not what we were doing yesterday you know it's like I think it's it's one of those things if people actually commit to it pick a spot so pick say your IT band stick on the IT band for two minutes don't roll your IT band your hamstring and your quad in that two minutes just pick the one thing find something that allows you to you talked about pain free earlier you can do it without being in excruciating agony where you're holding your breath and not relaxing and not getting the benefit from it like people have to find a level that works for them yeah simple rule we use is if you can take a full breath in through your nose a full diaphragmatic breath in through your nose into your belly and out through your mouth while you're foam rolling you're on a spot that you're not able to do Mm. so you need to maybe ease back off that 
you should be able to breathe fully on it. If you're holding your breath, um, like just that, what that's going to do is all your muscles are just going to be really tight. So they're just going to push against whatever tool it is that you're using. So you want to be as relaxed as you can. If you can't take a full breath. Um, just ease off a little bit. Golden rule. In terms of, uh, like, we got the opportunity to speak to you today. Like, I'm always keen to learn off people. Like, so you, you'd obviously be an expert in this area. Like, what, what is something you're looking into or studying at the moment that is kind of really changing the way you practice, or is just like a nice tool that you're adding in? We're using so when people think of mobility, there's, there's. One person that jumps to mind is Kelly Starrett, which yeah. is all the, the foam rolling and the trigger point therapy work. There's another guy um, called Dr. Andrea Spinea, who um, founded a, a company called FRC or Functional Range Conditioning. Um, and what he has done is essentially changed mobility from the word in my mind from just the passive to passive and active so he's a big proponent of you know taking your joints through a full range of motion on a daily basis and doing this sort of active stretching where you're contracting contracting the muscles either side of the joint to improve the the joint control lots of people might have seen it on instagram now it's it's people who it's it's all very popular well definitely on my feed but maybe that's confirmation bias for me um of uh people who are doing like what looks like just like a shoulder circle yeah. but they're doing it really really slowly and really controlled that is frc and that's what i talk about when i talk about taking a joint through a full range of motion or sort of like active um active stretching or active control over a range of motion well he's kind of become like the, the godfather of of that like if you look at a lot of um when we go to the states every year and uh, we go over and do sort of like a research trip and we go see different gyms like he, that's been happening for years it's only kind of seemed to become a bit more mainstream now like you look um everybody's doing their their hip frcs to open up their hip capsules and then you've got so much information out there now on instagram for there's only different variations of movement i think a big thing that you're talking about is you're looking at like control where you're saying you know strength and movement together and people can find different ways to tie all these things in but i think with the frcs is there huge issues with people who are coming back from specific injuries or is there anyone that like shouldn't be doing it or should everybody be doing it no matter no matter what yeah, everyone should be doing it, um, but pain-free. So if you're coming back from an injury, you should be moving the joints through as big a range of motion as you can, pain-free. Pain is a signal that something's not right in that joint or in that muscle tissue. Just ease out of that range. It doesn't mean that you have to stop moving completely. Just ease out of the painful range, and but keep trying to move it as much as you can. Um, one of the things I see is a lot of... Um, high performing athletes or uh, gym goers they're really good at what they do so they're really good at like the the compound lifts but they're not very good at moving their joints through like multiplanar directions which really is what's required when they get to their sport or for longevity purposes to keep their joints healthy so one thing we really preach is that every day just take the joints through full range of motion just give them what they need give the synovial fluid replenish that keep them healthy happy and good for life and that's that's your nine minute drill that's it yeah that's a nine minute drill yeah I think as well, like learning the purpose behind this stuff is huge because you talked about being efficient and being effective with your time. So I think one of the things when it comes to mobility training is having a clear reason why you're doing something. So like you're coming in to teach a workshop on the 13th of April here at FFS. 
So like I'd recommend anyone who wants to improve their mobility come and actually find out like what you're meant to be doing, why you're meant to be doing it and how you're doing it. So then that nine, 10 minutes of your day is productive and you actually see a change instead of the random rolling of the calf. So in terms of just letting people know, like can you give us a little bit more background of what you're going to be doing on the 13th here and where they can get information about it? Um, so yeah, on the 13th between 12 and 3 I'll be here in FFS um, you can get more information through our website if you go to our uh, workshop section you can also get it through our Instagram if you click on our uh, link tree um, a, a link will come up for the for the workshop essentially what we're going to be doing over the three hours is teaching people firstly uh, a daily routine to keep their joints um, healthy and happy and secondly um, how to improve the range of motion through um, maybe sticky muscles or areas that people have had uh, a lot of trouble with. So like a big one is um, hamstrings for people. People are always stretching their hamstrings, but they're not just not doing it efficiently enough. You could be stretching your hamstrings for a minute using these FRC principles and the benefits you get will far outweigh 10 years of doing 30 second forward folds or sticking your leg out. I call it the hurling stretch. Yeah, like the, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. You could just be more efficient with it and just learn how to have strength and control over that range of motion rather than thinking that a muscle is tight. It's just weak at that range of motion and the central nervous system says, I don't want to go there. So it just stiffens you up essentially. In, ter- in terms of for people who are going to come down, like, is it something that's just for trainers or if you're not someone who's a trainer or someone, are you still going to get big benefit out of coming down? Massively. You're going to learn you're going to learn firstly where your restrictions are uh, secondly how you can how you can improve or re- resolve those restrictions and thirdly if you're someone that goes to the gym and you're stretching anyway um why not learn how to stretch as efficiently as possible and with like a little bit of guidance from uh, people who are experts in that area I just think for so many of our clients it's people who are like generally kind of young work professionals people are in the mindset of trying to improve all the time like knowledge is the key and we see when we have bigger we get buy into our programs by explaining generally we send out an email uh, whenever we're into a new strength cycle every week we let people know the key tweaks we give them the sort of the um the need to know information and bullet points and then there's all the nice to know information if they want to read into the full document but like when people read that and they're empowered to know this is what what i'm doing for next eight weeks this is why i'm doing it the application is so much better so like if people learn get get the knowledge firstly i'd recommend following the guys um on instagram have a look at like putting up some great videos that people can look at every day just for general little tips to help make that two minutes more efficient straight away but definitely the workshop on the 13th will be great for anyone that gets wants to get down but uh, we've got some uh, some instagram questions have come in uh I've, got, I've been looking out for a lot of different instagram questions over the last few days and some are too inappropriate to mention on air so i'll ignore all those but one has come in um it's actually it's about golf um it's going to be very hard if you answer this very quickly but specifically what should people look to do when they get pain at the top of their backswing in their in their delt um, up at the top is there anything that someone can work on immediately to improve that straight away make sure that you're taking that shoulder through its full range of motion on a daily basis if you can't do it unloaded pain free then it's no surprise that when you go and load it then to hit a massive drive that it's going to be a little bit painful so straight away take the shoulder through full range of motion pain free and slowly increase that range as you go okay uh, the next one then is um, percussion tools for myofascial release the Theragon or Hypervolt versus uh, lower intensity products 
do you have any ref preference on any of those or do you use any of them they're um, pretty cool those they uh, are. where did we use one of those rods Reese is going now yeah we used it up on black box didn't we as well yeah. we were battering big C with one of them that was yeah uh, I think you could probably invest your money a little better maybe than a Theragun like something like a lacrosse ball or hockey ball or slitter is going to do in my mind just as good a session as uh, one of those Theraguns so you don't need to spend money on tools like that you okay, just need a bit of knowledge and very last question is who is the um, who's the athlete you've worked with that's got the best general movement before you've done anything with them who's, who's the best mover uh, that's a very good question um, I'll tell you the worst mover James Tracy he's by far and away the worst JT uh, Rhodes on Rhodes' stag actually his, his shoulders were at him for his line out throwing he had a, a line out competition with Tom Sexton down on the waterfront in Swansea um, he was saying he was working with you guys and his throwing was getting better I've seen much worse JT you're great <laughs> listen Mark thanks a million for popping in um, we'll put up everything in the show notes about uh, links to the YouTube clips and also information on the workshop um, thanks a million for stopping by really appreciate your time my pleasure thanks lads and just before we go it's a good time to mention that if you like what you're hearing on the podcast why don't you give us a little review on itunes to help keep growing the brand also um, myself and Rudd's on instagram get as many questions into us as you possibly can because we love um hearing what you guys want to hear on the show uh, different guests if there's anyone you think that's worthwhile getting in for the podcast let us know we want to keep giving you guys the content that you want to hear 